You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at Kroger.com slash boost. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Good evening, one and all, and welcome to the Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Simul Radio, Simul TV, and iHeart Radio. If you would like to uh, send me an email, it's very simple. Exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And for all the programming we have available for you 24-7-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network radio side, visit www.xzbn.net. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is John Grasson, and John is a traveler, explorer, research technician, desert photographer, and part-time truth seeker. To him, the treasure has always been in the story and not necessarily in the gold or silver. He is considered to be the leading authority on the lost ship of the desert, the black gold of Pegleg Smith, and is proud to be a member of the Billy Holcomb chapter of E. Clampus Vitus. Joining me now is John Grayson and Grasson. And John, welcome to the Exxon. Well, hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my great pleasure. Um, let me see. Something grabbed my interest over here when we, when I was doing your bio. The treasure has always been in the story and not necessarily in gold or silver. Explain that. Well, a lot of times people, you know, get labeled treasure hunters because mm-hmm. they're after the actual treasure itself. Gold, right. silver, black pearls, whatever the the monetary value is. Uh, But to me, I think there's more value, there's more story in finding a ship's nail or a plank of wood or uh, a buckle from a belt. Um, To me, it just tells tells more of a story of what really is going on other than just a gold coin. Uh, You can find gold coins all over the place. There's billions and billions of dollars still under the water. Yeah. Uh, but I think when you when you find a shoe, in that you can identify what sailor actually had that shoe. That's a that's a closer, tighter, better story. Would you say that you're also a historian as well as a a person who goes after treasure? Yes, um, I I prefer to term truth seeker because okay. what it, really what I'm looking for is to find out what the truth is, what mm-hmm. really happened. I'm not necessarily out there looking for 
uh, gold and silver. I would rather, like I said, find that, that belt buckle or uh, a plate or a, a fork, a knife, and, you know, be able to identify that. You know, to, like if you're looking at Blackbeard's treasure, mm-hmm. they spend hours and hours, days, and years looking at the artifacts, not necessarily the gold and silver as well. That's true. That is so true. Tell me, where did the interest in the lost ship of the desert come from? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an interesting little fact. I, I guess I was a, a bit of a handful at my day job. And uh, somebody said, you need a hobby. And I went, okay, so what do you like to do? I said, watch TV. So what do you like to watch? And I said, well, History Channel, Discovery Channel, American Heroes, you know, all that type stuff. And he says, well, why don't you go out to the desert and look at the old stage stations? And for whatever reason, I couldn't couldn't get my head wrapped around a pre-1900 Southern California. So I took his advice and went out, and I did find an old uh, state station that was still there. And it was just incredible to see this old piece of history still available to walk in and look around. So it led me to a book called Golden Mirages by Philip A. Bailey. And in that, there was a host of all these treasure stories. That, in turn, led me to TreasureNet.com, and at TreasureNet.com, I, I just read about any, anything and everything that was California-related, and one of those, one of the early stories, was the lost ship of the desert. What is the lost ship of the desert? Are we talking about ships that sail the sea, or are we talking about stagecoaches, wagon trains? No, no, we're talking about actual... Uh, ships that sailed in water. Uh, you have to understand that at a particular time, mm-hmm. Southern California, where the Palm Springs area is, all the way down to the Gulf of California, or what was called the Sea of Cortez, was all underwater at one time. And uh, you, you, you got to... How to put this in the right way? What basically happened was the Colorado River, the silt, that comes down from that slowly but surely choked off that waterway. And that's how what present day salt sea in the old days was called Lake Cahuilla uh, developed. And there were waterways that would go from the Colorado river all the way down to the Gulf of California. There were several other smaller waterways as well. So there was water there. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, at that particular point in time, California was looked at as an island. So everybody thought that there was a way around California and a quicker and easier route back to Europe. So they were always looking for that passageway. And I think an early explorer took the chance, went up there and went, "Uh uh-oh, found this massive lake. And Lake Kauai at the time was three times the size of the present-day Salton Sea. So basically what happened is when he got up to the northern end of the Salton Sea, or Lake Kauai, he realized he couldn't get through, and by the time he got back, the waterway had depleted to the point where his ship couldn't get out. Therefore, the ship is stuck on the desert. But I thought that the pirates mainly stayed within the, the Caribbean, you know, the uh, the Gulf of Mexico and that, that side of the Atlantic. How did they get over to the Pacific? Oh, they just sailed around the, uh, the, the Horn, as it was called, the Cape. Yeah. They... they They've been on the west side of uh, Mexico, South America, since pretty much the early 1500s. All right, but when was the desert actually underwater? Oh, it would be thousands, millions of years ago. Okay, so how it's did any, it's, so how did those ships? It's not anytime soon. So where do the desert ships come from then? Well, there are three basic stories. The earliest one is the Vikings. And if you really go back to the Viking Age, Mm -hmm. um, where they were up in Greenland, what you you basically have at that time was what we call today the Northwest Passage. Um, That area at that particular time was not frozen. It was a waterway that you could sail through. And the, the local Vikings or Norse on the western settlement were pretty much getting beat up by what was called Skraelings, and Skraelings were the local Indian population. So they left to Baffin Island, which, uh, being a Canadian, uh, I'm sure you know where that's at. Yes, I do. It's not, okay. <laughs> being an American, I had to look it up. 
But uh, when they got to Baffin Island, uh, they pretty much were getting beat up as well. So, that, you know, they didn't think they could sail east. So being the explorers they were, my belief is that they sailed west. If you come around Alaska, mm-hmm. and you, you go completely around Alaska, the southern coast, there's a place called Sitka. And in Sitka, there are large rock cairns, uh, eight, seven, eight feet tall, that the, the local Inuits have no idea where it's from. It's not part of their culture. And these are signs that uh, Vikings have used in the past to communicate. If you keep sailing all the way down to the southern tip of Baja, the west side, you have a um, pictograph of what's called a galleon. And and that particular galleon shows a boat that has both ends of the ship taller than the, you know, most ships have one end taller, not the other. And this has both with a single sail in the middle. And you look at it, you immediately think it's a Viking ship. My belief is that they sailed around the Gulf, sailed around Baja, not knowing that Mexico was right there or South America or virtually where they were. This was uncharted territory for them. And as the story goes, they sailed up to an island called Tiburon. Tiburon is Spanish for shark. And the local Indians on this particular island were known to be some fierce fighters, but... uh, the Vikings pretty much put them in their place real quick, and they allowed them to stay on their island for, I think it's approximately a couple, three years. When they left, they took some of the local Indians with mm-hmm. them and were never seen again. John, but stand by. Of, uh, John, we're going to have to have a bit of a cliffhanger here. I've got to take my first break. Please stand oh, by. Sure. Exonation, John Grayson, or Grasson, is our special guest this hour. And if you'd like to find out more about John www.lostshipsofthedesert.com That's www.lostshipsofthedesert.com And John and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues here from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on TV. Plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like X Zone, Sci Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.
live in rapidly shifting times of extreme volatility and uncertainty. Such profound change brings a unique opportunity for the evolution of consciousness. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, host of Mission Evolution Radio Show, a program that explores the latest scientific developments and deepening spiritual truths supporting human evolution. Join me on XZBN.net, where I interview leading experts in science, physics, medicine, spirituality, and more. By applying divergent viewpoints to leading-edge topics, we uncover expansive and evolutionary truth to assist you on your path to enlightenment. More information and past episodes are available at MissionEvolution.org. Back everyone, this is the X Zone. I am Rob McConnell. My guest this hour is John Grasson. We're talking about lost ships of the desert, and his website is www.lostshipsofthedesert.com. All right, John, you were telling us about how the uh, the Vikings actually won a battle because they got the stink uh, beat out of them and a couple of them prior to <laughs> getting down where they were. And you know, it's it's funny because. You and I are talking about Vikings in America. You know, we're talking prior Christopher Columbus, and yet even today in the schools, kids are being taught that Christopher Columbus discovered America, which he never did. He never set foot on on North America. He was into the uh, in South America and other islands of the Caribbean. So, how do we how do we explain that you you're talking about a totally different history? Than that is than that which is commonly, you know, looked at as as the truth. How do we do that? Yeah, that's a good question because I've been saying for decades. Mm-hmm. I wish there was a real history book that actually laid it out historically correct, and let the schools take that because yeah, exactly. it's one of those things where once it's taught, you can't unteach it. I, I don't agree with it at all. It, it seems that the the world of academia says, well, geez, if we if we said it, we can't go back on our word, that would make us look rather stupid. Well, don't they realize they, they're looking like a bunch of morons right now because we're catching them in lie after lie after lie after lie? <laughs> well, it's kind of like politicians, if you will. It's all in the same category. Uh, I absolutely agree. They, they, when they continue to mm-hmm. run down a path that everybody knows is, is not true, you just look at crazy for doing that you know we've had we've had guests on the show we've talked about uh, the uh, sailors from the middle east coming to the americas to get copper in order to make bronze we've talked about the hieroglyphs that were found in the grand canyon there's so you know fact is stranger than fiction and and i agree with you that i wish to heck that the history books would would actually tell the true story because it's much more interesting than the crap that the kids are being taught today in school. True. I absolutely agree. Um, No, go ahead. Sorry. No, uh, no, I was just, uh, I'd come to the end of my point, but what do people say when you tell them that there were ships in the desert and that this is what your book is about? Well, it, it just kind of depends. Um, you know, some people are fascinated by the story. Yep. Some people, you know, blow it off completely. And I always bring up the uh, uh, Helen of Troy story because yeah. for a long time, people said, oh, there's no Helen of Troy. That never happened. There, there was nothing like it at all until what was considered an amateur treasure hunter at the time, who was now the father of modern-day archaeology went down there and actually found it. And he actually, he had to smuggle the jewels out of country. His wife wore the jewels as they left mm-hmm. to get them out so he could prove to people it was true. It's, it's, there's no way to prove anything unless you physically hold some sort of 
tangible truth in your hands. And yet, I and yet, when that. it comes to, when it comes to religious philosophies, it's the exact opposite. Uh, no comment. <laughs> but you're you're absolutely right. In my mind, it's I have to go with what I know, what I have. If, if you look back yeah. to twelve years ago when I first started, I didn't know anything. All I know is the story of a ship possibly being lost in the desert. Mm-hmm. And after 12 years of research, it, it, looking at Spanish archives, and dealing with books that were written completely in Spanish, and not being able to read uh, what I call ancient Spanish compared to modern Spanish, because it's a completely different way of, of writing and learning. Um, it, it's, it's a whole different ball of, ball wax. of wax that you have to figure yeah. Exactly. You know, just like when I tell people that whale skeletons have been found in the Sahara Desert, they think I've, you know, I've had way too much lighting exposure here in our TV studios. But it's a fact. <laughs> it's true. You know, and and to have people like you come on the show to to talk about what I call the real history, it's a pleasure for me. And I think that it's it's accepted by our listening audience because we know the truth is out there. And it's because of people like you who bring it to the forefront that we're able to see. There is an alternative history, and the alternative history is much more interesting than the history that yeah. we're being taught. Yeah, it, I've always been fascinated by the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it, what we're saying is it's possible. We're not necessarily saying it's probable. Yep. And the only way you can make it probable is by proving it. But here's a story, here's an idea, here's a thought that may be able to actually have happened and let's go out there and see if we can find it. The worst scenario is you go out in nature to enjoy the day or two or a week or whatever time you're out there mm-hmm. and you didn't find anything, but you had a great time. What is the most compelling story that, that you have been able to research that to your mind beyond a shadow of a doubt puts any, 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 any hesitation or any doubt to rest that what you're talking about is true? I think the Thomas Cavendish story is probably the most accurate and compelling story that's out there that a lot of people are not talking about or don't even know. Can you share it with the us? Most, yeah, well, the mo- first of all, the most widely known story is a Spanish version about the Black Pearls, mm-hmm. which my research has led me to believe that there's a there is a, a shred of authenticity to it, but I don't think it goes as far as as the tale needs to. But Thomas Cavendish was a pirate, privateer, loyalist. It depends on which way you want to look at it. But basically, he was running up the west coast of South America, Central America, and he was raising pretty much hell with anybody who was, you know, from a Spanish descent. You know, he basically um, was at Cabo San Lucas, which is really at the southernmost tip of, of Baja, California. And he was waiting there because he received information that a Manila galleon, 700-ton galleon, was coming back from Manila to bring all the goods into Mexico. Uh, when he saw the galleon, he attacked it. It was about a four- to five-hour battle, and he was able to beat the galleon and bring it back to port. Um, this port was not a town by any means. It was just a stretch of beach that he was laying at. Um, when he brought this ship in, it was the largest single capture of treasure ever known at that particular time. He was an instant billionaire, almost and it basically what happened was he took about two weeks to go through all the, the treasure and divvy it up. But he was a uh, – how to put this tactfully? He was an SOB with his, uh, his crew. He didn't really treat them well. The main ship uh, basically took most of the treasure. But the second ship, the ship called the Content, had other things as well, spices, silver, silks, and things like this. And when they came around the Cape, or came around uh, Baja, if you will, mm-hmm. um, the content was never seen. Wow. And at that particular time, the northern end of the Sea of Cortez or the Gulf of California, nobody knew what was there. And to the left side of the, the, the tip of the Gulf, 
was a, a small lake very similar to Salton Sea called Laguna Salada. And my belief is, again, they're looking for the shortcut because everybody thought California was an island. And they realized they ran aground and can't get out of there now. But here's a ship full of people who have enough things underneath them, enough items, that they're wealthy beyond their own, their beats. And I think they stayed there, lived their whole lives, probably traded with the locals, slowly died off or tried to get out, died off somewhere else. If you fast forward, this happened in 1587. If you fast forward to 1602, a noted uh, explorer named Viscano came to San Diego, and the local Indians there greeted him like, you know, he was just an average guy. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, oh, we know you. You know, there's, there's people in Italy that just like you, speak just like you. He goes, what are you talking about? Because the only person that was there before him was Cabrillo when he found in San Diego. And the local Indians said, we'll take you to him. They're about 100 miles in. Uh, he never went with the Indians, but he surmised that they were not Spanish. They were possibly English. Fast forward a little bit, and in the... Uh, I can't remember the exact date, but there's a petroglyph. Now, for those of you who don't know, a petroglyph is when they carve into a rock of what appears to be a galleon-type ship on this rock. So here you have a priest saying that the Indians are, are showing proof. You have mm-hmm. a petroglyph that has proof. You have the content that came up missing. Now you fast-forward to the 1960s. And a guy named Orlin Childers finds a mast sticking out of Laguna Salada. There's actual proof that he found a ship down in that area. You and I have to, got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Interesting story. Actual Nation, <laughs> our guest this hour is John Grasson. His website, www.lostshipsofthedesert.com. Com. And John and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to get the most recent edition of the X Chronicles newspaper with our compliments, simply visit www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. We'll be back. Don't go away. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. AVS Media. You have heard of the Exxon? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. 
Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. This is the X-Zone. John Grasson is our special guest this hour, and his website is lostshipsofthedesert.com. How many ships do you believe that are still undiscovered in the desert? Uh, good question. I think the, I think Cavendish's ship, the Viking ship, are probably the two most leading cat- uh, subjects, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, I, I, again, I'm sorry, but I just don't put a lot of credence in the Spanish ship. I think the Spanish ship, um, the tale is kind of, there's so much involved into it. And it, it, it makes me kind of believe it's a weird time because back in the thirties and forties, if you said something, everybody believed you. Unlike today, if you say something, the first thing people want to do is check it out to see if it's true. So if you knew how to tell a tale back in the 30s and 40s, you could get away with it. And through the years, it's always been taken as a true story. Um, Case in point is a rancher named Nels Jacobson, who basically said that he had found the ship. Mm -hmm. And the way that they found this out was there were two writers who interviewed a guy named Elbert Carver, who said, oh, I was there. I saw the ship. And there's this big elaborate story about how he uh, was hired. He was a local transit that was hired to watch over the Jacobson Ridge while Nels went to L.A. to sell some of the goods. And there, Mrs. Jacobson showed him some of the treasure, rubies, diamonds, emeralds, a blue cross, uh, a blue topaz cross, uh, it, this whole story. And it just sounds, you know, incredible. Jacobson was a real person. Elmer Carver was a real person. But the the map or the area they said it was basically about 200 yards behind the house. Well, where was the house? That's the question. Nobody knows. And there's no way to prove that the house was in one particular area or another because back in those days, they could simply hook the house up to a, a team of horses and move it anywhere they want. It had no in, indoor plumbing. So it's 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 kind of a tough thing, you know. I've contacted um, descendants of the Jacobson family, and not one of them said they've heard of the story. And I said, "How could you not hear this story? Your, your name is world famous for this stuff." And he goes, "Nope, never heard of it." Nell's uh, passed away, and his uh, wife passed away, and there are no direct descendants to that particular um, marital couple. So there's no way to actually prove it one way or the other. But it's an interesting story. It is. It certainly is. Um, How much money do you think is still out in the desert waiting to be discovered? Ah, well, it depends on on how you value that. If you're actually actually talking about 
true treasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you go by the Jacobson story, most of that was taken away. If you go by archaeological treasure, I think it's 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 massive. I mean, think about it this way: if you could find this ship, whether it be Viking, Spanish, or English, mm-hmm. you have to rewrite history. And the artifacts that went on that would be part of the find would tell you whether it was English or Spanish. Uh, the type of ship alone would tell you if it was Vikings. It, then to try to piece together where did they come from, how did they get here, who were they? I mean, it's a, it's 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 just incredible in my mind. It, it's a great way to try to see if you can prove something true. Where do you get your information from? Uh, do people submit information to you on your website and say, you know, I've heard this story about X, Y, and Z? And uh, yeah, I, there's part of that, but most of it is is doing a lot of long-term, diligent research. Uh, I find a book mm-hmm. which talks about a particular incident, and then I find out, look at the back to see where that particular writer where he got his information from, and then I search out that book, and then I search out the book, the book before that, and I keep going back and back and back as much as I can. Um, well, I do have something that I've said for several years that if somebody could actually give me or show me proof, actual proof, I mean, we'd have to, whatever item they're showing, we'd have to scientifically um, have it proven the dates, times, and places, I'll give them $1,000. Earlier you said that finding a, a shoe or a belt buckle is, in right. your opinion, uh, a greater treasure than silver or gold, and that you have been able to identify a sailor by his shoe. How do you do that? It's tough. You, well, first thing you have to do is... Uh, uh, I would assume carbon date the, the artifact itself. Okay. Uh, the other thing, the other thing is have to look at the style and shape of it to see if this is something that would have been worn by English sailors or Spanish sailors. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's Vikings, it would clearly be you know a long time earlier before the English or Spanish. The best thing to do is to take it to an academic and say, "Here's what I found." Not necessarily give them all the information, um, but say, I need to verify what this is, where it is. Very, very similar like what they do on Oak Island. I was when just going find to... find an artifact, they take it to a place and have them verified. What do you think the the draw of Oak Island is, since they've never found any treasure there? It's the story. It's always the story. So whoever can spin the best yarn to get as many people to believe them as possible is more likely to succeed in having a place in history than the person who tells the truth that isn't very flamboyant. Well, the the thing about Oak Island that I like Mm -hmm. is when you talk about the McGinnis brothers and and how how the story originated, the thing that I, I never understood with that show is in the beginning, when they met the relatives or the ancestors, and she brought that little cross up to the uh, the guys, and she said, this is the last part of it. She said right on the show, they found three chests. And nobody goes on to that. They keep going out looking for the treasure. Wait a minute. She just said they found three chests. If you find three chests, isn't that treasure? <sighs> And if it is uh-huh. treasure, and if they actually did find three chests that that contained uh, that contained treasure, how come nobody's heard about the find? Well, that's the thing that I thought when I saw that episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm listening to what she's saying, and I'm like, "Wait a minute!" Yeah, she just said there were three chests, and each chest went to one of the guys who found it. Hold on, time out. What happened to that chest? What was in the chest? And who are the three guys? And it's, it's the three original guys. The, uh, the McGinnis brothers, and I forget who the third one was. Uh, according to her family lore, the McGinnis family lore mm-hmm. is that when they went down there, they actually did find three chests. And if that's true, then the water trap and everything else calls into question. And I, you know, it's, I, I would sit there going, wait a minute. Get more information about what she's saying. But they went off on a completely different uh, angle. 
Well, you know, reality we, TV is anything but reality. And, you know, as long as they keep on digging, finding water traps and yep. alluding to there being more to this than anything, then you're going to get people who want to watch the show. They get sponsors and away you go. Yep. Yep. That's a whole different type of treasure. It, it certainly is. <laughs> In your opinion, are there other treasures like Oak Island that are yet to be discovered? I think there's a lot of treasure still in the United States, mm-hmm. and I think the the time, the, the golden age of treasure hunting, if you will, would have been probably from the 30s through the late 60s, early 70s at the most. Uh, but the problem is the laws in the United States, the way they are, prohibit somebody from actually trying to share the treasure with someone because the government confiscates most of the treasure. But what about salvage rights, you know? I'm sorry? What about international salvage rights? Yeah, yeah. how'd that go well with uh, Spain and Odyssey? Well, Mel Fisher Fisher did pretty good with it. Yes, he did, but since then, I don't know a lot of people that have done well. The Odyssey pulled up all those tons of uh, coins and stuff, and then they lost a battle in court and had to give it all back. Wow. So it's it's the thing that I've I've never understood is Spain always claims this treasure is theirs, yet they're the ones that stole it from all the the South America, Central American countries. Well, we know that history is written by the uh, victors. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, isn't it? It sure is. (laughs) Listen, John, you and I have to take our final break. Please stand by. Interesting conversation. Sure. John uh, Grasson is our special guest, Exxon Nation, www.lostshipsofthedesert.com. That's www.lostshipsofthedesert.com. And John and I will be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Now, if you'd like to watch the Exxon TV channel on your television or on your computer, on your handheld devices, there's one place to go, www.simultv.com. The Exxon TV channel is one of 80 specialty channels that are available to you exclusively through Simul TV, as well as you'll be able to get 500 video games. You're going to be able to download television shows, movies, and much more. Visit www.simultv.com. I'm Rob McConnell. I'll be back on the other side of this break with John Grayson. Don't go away. it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. 
Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. The concept of a new age has been around since the late 19th century, yet much of its original meaning has been lost. What exactly is the new age? Is it a religion? A collection of obscure esoteric practices? A series of doomsday predictions? Or an astrological event? The New Age Chronicles is a unique, complementary publication bringing reason and grounded information to separate fact from fiction. Chuck full of valuable information to support you as we make the monumental shift into the new era. You won't want to miss a single innovative issue. The New Age Chronicles newspaper is coming soon to www.newagechronicles.com. Welcome back, everyone. If you'd like to find out what is available to you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for the most current edition of the X Chronicles newspaper, you can download it or read it online without our, with our compliments at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. John Grasson is our special guest. We're talking about Lost Ships of the Desert. John, you've been on a number of television shows. Uh, let me see, American Heroes Channel, Lost Ships of the Mojave, uh, the Travel Channel, Legend Hunter, the Science Channel, Mysteries of the Missing. Um, when you're on these shows, what is the reaction from the viewers as well as the production staff? Well, it, it's It's... It's kind of interesting because you can see from the production staff who's mm-hmm. really into the tale and who's just, you know, has a job. Yeah. Um, a lot of times the, the staff themselves, they don't know anything about the story. They're hired as the boom operator or the cameraman or whatever. And when you start digging into the story, we start filming. They'll pull me aside and go, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about this? Which makes it, you know, just that much better. That's for, right. You know, a guy like myself that's on the show. Now you were uh, you were also the co-host of the uh, Death Valley uh, Gym Radio program uh, that was on uh, K, uh, KPTR fourteen fifty out of uh, Palm Springs, California. What was your show about? Yes. Um, well, it's basically desert related. Um, it was the history, um, adventures, stories, mm-hmm. pioneers, uh, people, places, things, events. Wow. It was it was pretty interesting. We uh, we brought some really neat people in, and then we brought some people, and you know, hit kind of hard on some of the the political things. Uh, uh, Jim was really into the pictographs and petroglyphs, and his belief was, if a site is out there, people should know about it. But uh, some of the people, you know, primarily the naturalist or people that work within the park system mm-hmm. didn't like that because they felt once you tell somebody about the area, uh, it invites vandalism. Uh, Jim's take was always, well, if I don't tell them, they can go on the internet and find it in two seconds. So what's the difference? Exactly. It was kind of a weird thing. They, 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 didn't, they didn't really care for what he did. Um, and I haven't heard from him in a long time. He's been kind of, uh, he left the area, I want to say, a good year, year and a half ago, and I haven't really heard from him. That's too bad, because it sounds like it would have been a wonderful show. I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was fun. You know, it, when you have two people on a show, you can mm-hmm. kind of play off of each other, and it makes it entertaining for the for the audience. Sure does. Um, 
What what are some of the uh, stories that you covered? Now you've got me interested in, in the desert stories. Uh, I, I've heard of prospectors. I've heard of the ghost towns, the the um, the history of certain areas. What was your most intriguing, your most interesting, or some of your most interesting shows that you covered? Well, the, the second best treasure legend, if you will, that I liked, mm-hmm. that we covered quite a bit, was there's a story about a guy called Pegleg Smith. And according to the story, uh, Pegleg was a guide out of Yuma. And Yuma is where pretty much Arizona, California, and Mexico come together. It's where the Colorado River is. Right. So for the, for the immigrants coming through, they had to cross the river. And there was a, uh, a barge or whatever you want to call it, a ferry that would take them back and forth. But in the 1800s, they were charging $2 a head for cattle. So wow. that got to be expensive. So once they crossed the river... You know, they were either going to go to Los Angeles or San Diego, and they had to cross at one particular section, 30 miles of desert with no water. You have to remember that these people basically walked or or went about two miles an hour. A 20-mile day was a good day to them. So this guy Smith, peg leg, because he had one leg from the the D-down missing, um, basically took a, a group of people over. And about two days out, he was involved in a really bad sandstorm. So he kind of hit into this canyon. And when he got up in the morning, he was trying to get his bearing straight. You know, back in those days, there wasn't a sign out somewhere. They had to look for landmarks that let him know where they were at. He knew he was lost. But he climbed the middle of three hills. And the, the clues he gave is he looked across. The hills in front of him were razorback. So it was kind of a sawtooth type thing. Mm-hmm. And to his left, there were Badlands, which is a real desolate area of the desert. And while he's sitting up there, like anybody else, you kind of pick up a rock or two, and he's trying to contemplate what's going on. And the rocks he's picking up are about the size of a walnut heavy. So he throws a couple in his pocket, and he was uh, able to get the, the people out, made his way to L.A. And an old friend is, he says, hey, check out these rocks I found. And when he pulled them out of his pocket, they had rubbed together so much that they tore the, the black, what they call desert varnish off. And there was these gold nuggets, gold, silver, and manganese. Oh, my god! Manganese is what turned black. And of course, his buddy goes, whoa, let's go back. He goes, hell no, I almost lost my life. I'm not going back there. <laughs> and it, it, in that particular area is an old World War II bombing ring, so you can't really go out there. And I really think I've got it down to a very small area, but you can't get in there because of the bombing rings. And even if it was there, most likely the bombing part of it blew the gold all over the place. But my belief is if you could just find one nugget, if you could just verify the story, mm-hmm. here's what I found. This is where it was at. You can't go out there. I'm not going to give you the exact location, but the gold was found and here's proof. It'd be awesome. Is there any estimate about how many people lost their lives crossing the desert in the United States? Hundreds, thousands. Really? Yeah. You know, if, if you really go back as far as you know, the seventeen, late seventeen, early eighteen hundreds mm-hmm. up till today, I bet, I bet it's in the tens of thousands. It's a you don't realize how vast that area is and how far it is between water points. I mean, you, you can go, if you don't know where you're going, you can get lost and trek out 100 miles without seeing water. It seems strange to think of uh, a desert in the middle of the United States. Well, there's actually quite a few of them. You have the Sonora Desert, you have the Mojave Desert, uh, Oregon has a desert, Idaho has a desert. There, there's quite a few of them. Do you think one day they too will be developed like the uh, the desert around Las Vegas and Reno? God, God I hope not. You know, I, I really enjoy the natural beauty. What's it like being in the desert uh, in the middle of the night? Well, it can be scary. Um, you hear all kinds of animals. You hear a ton of stuff. Most of the um, creepy crawlies, as I call mm-hmm. them, the snakes and what have you. They come out to feed. 
Uh, coyotes are going crazy at night. You don't know if a mountain lion's right around the corner. So, you know, it's, it can be very scary. I try not to stay out on the desert at night. I go out you know, early morning mm-hmm. and leave right around dusk. Uh, you don't really want to be traveling some of those off-road roads uh, unless you really know where you are and what you're doing. You could hit a ditch and break the axle, and now you're stuck. And you have to walk 20, 30 miles out to get help. I would imagine that the night sky is breathtaking. Oh, it's incredible. It's what they call a dark sky. Dark sky means there is no city lights to take away from how bright, brilliant those stars are. It's amazing. We've got about uh, two minutes left. What are your final thoughts? What would you like to share with the Exxon Nation tonight? Well, I, I think what they should do is, is get out. Mm-hmm. Stop going on the video games. Stop going on the Internet. Take the Internet with you, but get, get out there. Go out and see the actual places. Get to see what was really what it was really like. Don't go to... Hollywood's version of what's what's there. You can go on the internet. Ghost ghost towns are amazing. I mean, you can find uh, uh, places that are right off the freeway. Uh, you don't necessarily need a four wheel drive, but they're always nice to have because you can go deeper and longer. So tell me, in any but, of the ghost towns, have you ever seen a ghost? I no. Again, I leave early. <laughs> I'm older. I, I, I value my life. As a young man, I probably just go pick a fight or something. But as an old man, I go, yeah, yeah time to go. Listen, where can people get a copy of your book? It's not out yet. We're hoping for the end of this year. Uh, it'll be called Northern Mystery Search for the Lost Ships of the Desert. Uh, we're still working on it, but I'm hoping towards uh, Christmas before it's out. That would be a wonderful Christmas gift for a lot of people. I would think so. I hope so. John, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. A great pleasure. Continued success. And when your book does come out, let us know. We'll bring you back on to share the news. Awesome. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself, John, and uh, be safe in the desert. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. ExoNation, my guest this hour has been John Grasson. His website is www.lostshipsofthedesert.com. Com. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Again, don't forget, if you'd like to watch the Exxon radio show, TV show on the Exxon TV channel, there's only one place where you can watch it, and that's on Simul TV. Visit their website at www.simultv.com. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. 
We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.